You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women Podcast. This is episode number 270. I am your host, Noelle Tarr. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a National Strength and Conditioning Association certified personal trainer. I am so thrilled you are here. Oh, man. We need this. <laughs> we, we need this. We need connection. We need community. We need to be proactively supporting our health and our immune system long term. I know many of you are struggling physically, mentally, emotionally, and or financially. I honestly thought by the time this podcast would come out, we'd be in the clear, which I am crossing my fingers that we will be. But um, I know many of us are still at home. We've been at home for a long time. So I hope this hour together is a chance for you to feel connected and supported and loved. And as cheesy as that sounds, I, I really do love and appreciate all of you. And I'm thankful I get to be a part of your life. And I'm thankful that I get to sit down and talk with uh, Dr. Becky today. Today, I'm bringing on my own personal functional medicine practitioner to talk about all things histamine intolerance. Um, histamine intolerance is closely linked to migraines and eczema and allergies and vertigo. And this is a confusing and tricky topic, to me at least. So we'll be unpacking what that is and then answering some popular questions from all of you in our community. Before I bring on Dr. Becky, you all know my love for Prep Dish. Prep Dish offers weekly meal planning thoughtfully crafted by personal chef and registered dietitian Allison Schaff, who I interviewed in episode number 262. Because of what's happening right now, Prep Dish has actually put together a totally free one-week pantry and freezer meal plan. As you might have guessed, all of those recipes use pantry and freezer-friendly ingredients, likely all the ones you've stocked up on. So download it for free right now by going to prepdish.com slash pantry. Hopefully this makes your life a little easier and calmer while you navigate cooking more meals at home, especially since resources are tight in certain communities and things are just changing daily. Um, like all prep dish meal plans, the pantry and freezer meal plan includes quick tips, a grocery list, and then instructions for prepping all of your meals on a single prep day. And then you have a dish day, which details the recipes and finishing touches for your prepped meals each day. And my gosh, do we all need that help with our kids home and trying to be teacher and mom and all the things business owner. Um, in this particular meal plan, I downloaded it and there are a lot of creative recipes like almond butter bites and shrimp stir fry over rice. You can you know, you can use your cooking and baking as a lesson. How about that? That's a teaching opportunity. That's what I've been doing. I've just been bringing my kid into the kitchen. We've been baking together and she just gets to, I put a bunch of stuff in a bowl and let her play with it. So try that. Uh, the link again to download it is prepdish.com slash pantry. Dr. Becky is a board certified doctor and natural of natural medicine, who was initially introduced to functional medicine as a patient. She struggled with many of the issues her patients struggle with today, and she has made it her mission to help patients all around the world with her virtual practice. Dr. Becky Campbell is the founder of drbeckycampbell.com and the author of the 30-Day Thyroid Reset Plan, which we interviewed. I interviewed Dr. Becky about um, a 
quite a few episodes ago. I will link to it in the show notes. And her new book, The Four-Phase Histamine Reset Plan. And as mentioned before, today we are going to specifically be addressing histamine, but other things may come up because she is a wealth of knowledge. Welcome, Dr. Becky. Thanks for having me again. Excited to be here. (laughs) We were obviously (laughs) talking before. We were like, what's going on? Um, Yeah. You tried to get out of recording today because you're so busy. Because you have so much going on, and I completely understand. I appreciate you taking the time to record with me and to make this episode available to all everybody who has all all these wonderful questions about histamine. But um, I just there's a lot going on, and you're you know you're going to jump off. You're you know Dr. Becky. You're a doctor. You're a functional medicine doctor. You have all these patients, but at the same time, you have two kids now that you are you are homeschooling in two different grades. Yeah, yeah, like, three kids. So I'm watching one. And homeschooling, too, at the same time (laughs) and working. Wow. So this is a lot. We're all we're all in this together. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, I I hear you. How are you during this time staying sane? Like, what is your sort of way for managing your anxiety and or just like your mental health? So I am getting outside every day and People, sometimes people are getting angry when they hear that, but I'm doing it safely. Um, So I run. So I run in the mornings and I am not around anyone else when I'm doing that. Um, If I see someone, I run out into the street and then back around them six feet away. Um, But I do that definitely. And then I take my kids for a bike ride when I'm done working and we're done doing school. So we're getting outside a couple times a day. And then I actually... I'm doing, um, I'm redoing a meditation, online meditation program that I had done before, and I'm doing it with a partner. So we are FaceTiming at night when my kids go to bed, and we are doing together a meditation program from starting over from the beginning. So just a way to like have someone to talk to that's an adult and um, see face-to-face on FaceTime, and then, you know, getting that meditation in to help uh, reduce the stress that all this is bringing. So... We're doing okay. That's good. Yeah, that's a good. And now, uh, this may be a personal question, so you can answer it as much as you want. But like, have you seen a personal hit with your practice at all? I mean, have you been? Str- I mean, not to mention like just struggling to keep your practice going when you have two kids at home full time. Because I, that's what I'm struggling with as well now. Yeah. Um. But how has your practice kind of taken a hit right now? It's, it hasn't, fortunately, um, not at all, uh, to be honest, because I think now more than ever, people are wanting to get healthy um, and, you know, protect their immune system. And so we're still running um, and doing well. And we've been a virtual practice for years, so we don't have to worry about coming in contact with people. Um, you know, I feel really fortunate to be in the place that I am. And I have you know, a good team. So it's not me doing it by myself, which is great. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. I feel like, um, the effects of this are going to be long withstanding. It's going to go forever. People are going to be much more comfortable with Zoom and with, you know, virtual mm-hmm. practices and feeling they're going to feel much more comfortable using, you know, digital or 
using computers and phones and stuff like that to connect digitally to experts like yourself, um, doctors and nurses, and just even, like you said, like doing meditation online and doing um, live streaming workouts and stuff like that. Like, I think people are going to get used to that, which is, you know, that's a good thing. I think it does make things more available to us for sure. Definitely. I mean, it's gone well for me for years. Um, and, you know, the, there were people when I first went virtual who were a little like nervous about not meeting in person. But then they were like, this is great. I don't have to leave my house. I don't have to wait in line. She's yeah. never late. Like, you know, they're not waiting in a doctor's office. So, yes. you know, I People love it. So I think now, you know, more and more people are going to be doing this for sure. Yes. You know, the one thing that annoyed annoyed me was um, there are so many appointments leading up to the birth. And that's just one thing you can't mm. do virtually. You can't have somebody deliver your baby virtually. And you can't really do those. Those just virtually, <laughs> unfortunately. Someday maybe we'll figure out a resolution for that. But I hear you. I cannot stay. Like, I just hate. I feel, I, one of the things that just annoys me the most is wasting time sitting waiting sitting waiting yeah. and I've done a lot of sitting and waiting in the last few years giving birth to two kids so um any chance I can to do virtual stuff I do it so that's the beauty of what you're doing and where you come in um I would love to and we'll talk about you know your virtual practice and all that soon but I'd love to just hear about I know obviously that you have your own personal experience with um thyroid issues. Where yes. did histamine come in and why is that an important topic for you? And why did you choose to, you know, quite literally write the book on it? So I was struggling in college, um, you know, waking out of nowhere, extreme fatigue, hair loss, and brain fog pretty bad um, while I was in, in school. And <clears throat> I finally figured out I had a thyroid issue after seeing many doctors with no answers. And then got a lot better. And, you know, so that was, you know, 15-ish years ago. And, but then I did have, like, lagging symptoms, you know, and it was mostly related to food or stress. So I was still getting migraines, and I would notice if I would eat certain foods that it would come on, I mean, literally almost while I was eating, um, my heart would race sometimes while I was eating. I would get very fatigued when I was eating certain things. Um, and I had some skin issues, not really like acne, but I had um, like a dermatitis, you know, around like my hairline and even on my face around my nose. And I knew certain things were flaring it up, but I couldn't figure out what it was. So then I, you know, started learning about mast cell activation syndrome, which we can go into in a little bit, and then ultimately, you know, histamine intolerance. And, um, you know, I started cutting out high histamine foods, working a little bit deeper into my underlying causes, and got so much better. I mean, life-changing. And I was like, I have to teach other people this, because clearly, you know, it was hard, really hard for me. I figured it out on my own. It's not like I had a, a, someone else, you know, showing me this. So I was like, I have to, I ha you know, I had already, um, well, I was, this was before I was doing a lot of uh, stuff in my practice. But then, so I brought it into my practice. You know, it was in my practice always because I had it, but it was, I was so focused on thyroid because I was trying to really focus on one thing at a time at first. 
But then once I got the thyroid book out and I knew a lot of people were getting help without having to connect one-on-one with me with that, then I really wanted to shift my focus to this because I knew it was something important that wasn't being talked about enough. So I wrote a book on it. (laughs) (laughs) It really isn't being talked about enough. I feel like it's that thing that people drop and it's like, yeah, histamine didn't. And you're like, wait, I don't understand. It's just a a lot. There's a lot to know in general. When you, you know, you've obviously busted a lot of myths about thyroid health in general. And that's uh, confusing enough. It's like, wait a second, you know, oh, you need to get like a full thyroid panel and get these additional things. And what does, what's reverse T3 and what does that mean? And where should it be? And then you kind of, you know, you throw in other things like histamine intolerance and it's just it's a lot to take in and it does take you know a degree to do the research on it and like you know it's it's a lot and so um i can you just maybe give us an overview of exactly what histamine is and then maybe how does one become histamine intolerant Yeah. So histamine gets a bad rap, you know, just like cortisol and estrogen and a lot of hormones, um, which is it. None of them are bad. It's just they're bad in excess. So the main role of histamine is to help you get rid of allergens. So basically, if there's a potential pathogen, your body causes, you know, it dilates the vessels, it causes inflammation that that alerts the body, there's something there. And that allows our white blood cells to come in and find it and attack it. So that's what histamine's job is. Um, It's also involved in digestion. It's also a neurotransmitter between the body and the brain. So it has a lot of really great jobs. The problem is that some of us are not able to break down histamine once it's done with its job. So there's histamine receptors all over the body. And if that histamine isn't broken down properly, which there are certain enzymes, the main one is called DAO. So if let's say you have a decrease in your DAO enzyme and you can't break down the histamine, it starts getting into these receptors and in large amounts. And then that's when you get these symptoms that can, you know, they're pretty much all over the body. Uh, And so that's, that's what's known as histamine intolerance, the inability to break it down properly. What are some of those, like what's the most common symptoms? So migraines, definitely, you know, histamine is a vasodilator and migraines are a dilation of the blood vessels. Um, But also you get a buildup of something called um, nitrate oxide when you have too much histamine in the body and that can give you migraines as well. So migraines, definitely um, low blood pressure. You know, a lot of people who get dizzy when they stand up, you know, they it's basically their blood pressure drops, but then their heart starts to race. That's pretty common. Eczema or any type of dermatitis is very common. Vertigo is really, really common. Flushing. You know, I say this and people say to me all the time, I heard you say this on the podcast and it resonated with me. Um, But, you know, if you work out and you get really red easily and you or you blush easily, you know, some people you've noticed if you're talking to them and they they get embarrassed, they, they blush. I mean, bad. Um, more than someone else would, you know, anyways, for whatever reason, you're, you're turning red and then it's hard to get it back down to, you know, like, let's say after workout, it, you, it takes a little while for you to get back to your, your normal color. That's a big sign of it. Anxiety is really tied to it. You know, anxiety has a lot of different underlying causes, but histamine really is one of them. Um, and then, you know, people will say like, I have random diarrhea. That's definitely, 
associated with it or someone who just has kind of like they've always been kind of stuffy or their nose runs when they're eating. Those are probably the things I see the most hives definitely, but I'm conscious, you know, cautious when I say that because you don't have to have ever had hives to have histamine intolerance, but, but many people do come to me who get random hives and that's always a histamine intolerance. Interesting. So mm -hmm. is histamine, so you're saying it's a neurotransmitter. Is it a chemical, is it just a chemical messenger? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It tells your body what to do. It's basically just communicating with, with your body between parts. Okay. Is it something that people are born with? Like, is there a genetic component or is this something that is exclusively triggered by a stressor? And, you know, I've learned this from you. Is it maybe triggered by a gut infection or like what's kind mm -hmm. of the catalyst for somebody all of a sudden dealing with a new issue with histamine that maybe they didn't deal with before? So it's both. It, it can be both. So for me, I have something called mast cell activation syndrome. So our mast cells produce histamine and many other chemical messengers. But so what happens there is with mast cell activation syndrome, it's something that you're typically born with. No one really knows exactly why you get mast cell activation syndrome, but we do notice it kind of runs in families. So like if you and your mom are like very similar and you guys get weird symptoms, like it can be that you both have had this for a long time. For me, you know, what gave it away that it was mast cell activation syndrome versus just a histamine intolerance is because I had migraines as a kid occasionally. I got, I was really sensitive to heat um, and cold, but I would pass out in the heat all the time and heat makes your body release histamine. Um, so I, you know, I wasn't able to break it down. And <clears throat> it's like with mast cell activation syndrome, it's, your body is triggered by so many things that aren't even really a threat. And when your body is triggered, like with heat, for example, you just start dumping histamine. Your mast cells, it's called degranulation. They just dump histamine. Um, so that is more of like, you know, more of a genetic born with type of component. Um, also, you can have a SNP in some of the genes, like the DAO gene, you know, there's there's enzyme, that DAO enzyme I was talking about that breaks down histamine. You can have SNPs in certain genes um, that make you more susceptible to this and make you produce less of that DAO enzyme. And then there's, a, there's other reasons. Like you could be fine your whole life and get this later in life because you get, you know, leaky gut or, you know, a bacterial overgrowth and the gut bacteria increases the histamine um, in your body and then you can't break it down. And plus the DAO enzyme is mostly produced in the gut. So if you get a gut infection, plus, you know, you're going to have an increase in histamine from that. Plus you're going to have a decrease in that DAO enzyme. So it's those two things working together to make you not able to tolerate high histamine levels. Um, inflammatory bowel disease, you know, can cause this different, uh, vitamin def deficiencies like B6 and copper and vitamin C because those all help produce that DAO enzyme. Um, so, and then medications like antihistamine medication. You know, a lot of people have allergies and they take antihistamine medications, which are fine short term, but long term they can actually decrease that DAO enzyme. So, some people stay on this for years 
and they're they're decreasing their, that enzyme. So then they're actually making it harder for their body to break down histamine on their own. Oof. You yeah. Just, yeah. And actually, somebody had a question about that, which we'll get to in a second. Um, okay. So where does I feel like we have a great overview, but where does food come into this? Like how are certain, because obviously we know some foods are high in histamine. How does histamine get in foods? Um, (laughs) (laughs) And how does food play into all of this? Yeah, so certain um, bacteria in foods into the amino acid known as histidine, which is what we then call histamine. So it's it's actually the bacteria that we're worried about and that creates the, the histamine level in the food. Some foods are high in histamine. Some foods are not actually high in histamine, but they make your body's own histamine release more. So they're called histamine-liberating foods. And then some foods are DAO enzyme-blocking foods. So there, I, I give a really good chart in the book to break this all down so you can understand what's doing what. Um, so like fermented foods, you know, they, they produce a lot of that histamine-producing bacteria. So that's why histamine, or fermented foods are such a problem for people. And this includes alcohol. You know, people, a lot of people notice when they drink red wine, which is full of histamine, that their nose runs or they'll get a migraine or they'll flush immediately, that's because it's, it's very high in histamine. Um, you know, fermented foods, and this is the, the saddest food, is avocados. I know. <laughs> I can't yeah, believe Yeah, avocados that. are high. And it's crazy because a lot of diets like keto, for example, is all about, you know, eat fermented foods, eat avocados, um, you know, even like many keto bloggers, you'll see on their sites these beautiful charcuterie boards, which I that is actually my favorite food. I would die happy if I had that in my hand. But <laughs> um, all of those foods are high in histamine because they're aged. So like aged meats, aged cheeses. So the longer food sits, especially meats, the more histamine it's producing. So <clears throat> then that brings us to leftover foods, which is Probably the biggest um, challenge for people when doing a low histamine diet is is not eating leftovers. And that's why I work really hard on my Instagram page to try to make these like cooking videos of meal prep because it can be easy. You just have to learn how to do it and make it into like single servings and freeze it. And then when you, the freezing process stops the histamine from being produced, but the cooking process does not. So if you eat, make food, you know, you make dinner, whatever, you have to freeze it or else it's going to sit in the fridge and just produce more and more histamine. So, yeah, so foods like that, um, even citrus, which is, you know, there's all these foods are healthy. So it's hard. It's but people, a lot of people will say I did keto and I felt terrible. And it's not that keto is a bad diet. I think some people do really well on keto. It's just that if they have histamine intolerance, it's just most a lot of the foods on there are, are happen to be high in histamine. This sounds um, really sad. This is a really sad way of eating. <laughs> but you know kidding. what? This is the thing. So I give a list of the yes, no, maybes. Mm. So the yes foods are double the size of the the nose and the maybes got it so i what i really try to do is have people focus on what they can have Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of great stuff you can have and that's why i worked really hard on these recipes i made 50 recipes 
people and I wanted them to be good, like really good tasting food, not just like, eh, I can do that, not like doable, you yes. know, but like, wow, that was great. So um, I'm actually really proud of the recipes because they are good and it really does make it a lot easier. And the thing with the diet is it's not forever. The diet is where you start. The diet is what you do while you're figuring out what is driving this. And it tends to be the gut, you know, the gut or, or, or hormone imbalance, like estrogen dominance, you know, I see a lot. So that's what I talk about a lot in the book. And that's what I do with people in my practice is I start them on the diet, but then I start working on what is causing this. And once you figure out what is causing it, you can start to, once you clear all that stuff up, you can start to eat those high histamine foods again. You might not be able to eat them every day, but you can figure out what foods trigger you and what foods you're good with. And you'll be able to eat a lot more food than you could in the beginning. Yes, I was silently clapping you because I, <laughs> I just, I feel like um, that's such an important stipulation and something I think we've missed in ooh, holistic, the holistic health world 1.0. We're moving into 2.0, which is like figure out the root cause. Yeah. Figure out the root cause. Stop throwing darts at a blank wall and just right. trying to say, well, maybe I, it's this, maybe it's this. So I'm going to go on this restrictive diet and I'm going to supplement with this because I think it might be this, but I'm not really sure, but I have these symptoms and okay, now I'm going to try this diet and I'm going to, and it's just like people drive themselves mad, you know? Yes. And so and things overlap. So yeah, they think that right. they have one thing and it's not, and then they torture themselves for no reason. Yeah. So testing, proper testing, even though sometimes like we've I've learned personally, but, you know, I came to you so that we could do a GI map test and to do the Dutch hormone test and to do these really high quality tests, which, yes, you know, financially, they it's an investment. But I do believe that once you get that information, it's going to save you so much time. It's going to save you potentially, well, most definitely a lot of follow-up doctor visits where yeah. you just aren't getting the information that you need. You're, you're saving your health. Um, you know, you're put, you're hopefully going to be drastically improving your health. So yeah, um, I just, and maybe it's just me, you know, maybe it was just me, but I do feel like that was sort of a general theme before it was like diet, diet, diet. And now people are like, well, let's figure out the root cause and then tailor yeah. a diet to, while we treat that root cause. so Yeah, that's what I did with both of my books because I want people to be happy, you know? So I, yes, I put you on a diet, but it's temporary. And there are certain foods that I don't think that anybody should eat, you know? So I'm not going to say like, then you'll get better and you just see whatever you want because I, I would be completely lying if I said that that's what I think is good for people. I don't. But I do think that you should have food freedom to where you're not sitting here so focused on, oh my gosh, I can't eat that, I can't eat that, I can't eat that. And what you do is get your body as healthy as possible, and then you know what foods makes your body happy and what foods don't, and you focus on the foods that make your body happy, and that's what you go on with. And you know, you try things, and if, if your body likes it, it likes it, and if it doesn't, it doesn't, and it lets you know. I mean... I know what foods I, I can't have, and I'm okay with that because it's. I would rather feel good, but I'm not like feeling like this huge restriction by any means because I can eat 10 times the amount of foods I could eat when I was really sick with histamine intolerance. Love that. 
Okay, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to jump into all of your listener questions. Hang tight. All right, friends, I recently found out that factory farmed meat, specifically meat that has been exposed to hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides, can directly impact your hormones, specifically estrogen. Yeah, that is crazy. With the growing trend towards estrogen dominance, we're seeing it more and more, not to mention the incredible strain that conventional farming puts on our land and our soil. Small batch farms like the ones that are a part of Grassroots Farmers Cooperative are needed more than ever. With Grassroots Co-op, you can order meat directly from small-scale farms in the U.S., that put a lot of attention into their production. Their animals are 100% pasture-raised, they live happy lives completely outdoors, and every farm practices regenerative agriculture, which basically means they're reducing carbon emissions and replenishing the nutrients in the soil rather than depleting them. That makes me smile. Um, It's truly incredible what they're doing. They're actually reversing the damage we've done to the environment with factory farming. And while all of that is really incredible and it's important, can I just say that the meat tastes absolutely delicious. It is some of the best meat I have ever cooked with. Grassroots Co-op is offering our listeners $40 off your first box plus free shipping. That is an incredible deal. Go get all of your delicious 100% pasture-raised meat right now. You won't be signed up for any subscriptions. You can just order a box, pack it with the cuts of meats that you want, and get it shipped directly to you for totally free. And fun fact... Grassroots Farmers Cooperative is 100% committed to transparency. They are the first and only farmers in the country using consumer-facing blockchain technology, so you can actually track every step of the journey from pasture to plate. Get $40 off your first box plus free shipping by going to grassrootscoop.com slash wellfed. Again, that link is grassrootscoop.com slash wellfed. I'll put the link in the show notes. Go to that link, build your first box, and get $40 off plus free shipping. Okay, we're back. Questions. This question is from Sarah. Is there a diagnostic test for histamine intolerance, and can histamine intolerance calm down or heal? I feel like we've just talked a lot about all the problems with histamine. Yeah. How does one heal histamine intolerance? And then is there some sort of diagnostic test? So I, this is the best test. Are you ready for this? It's free. You just test it yourself. And I actually made a PDF I can give you guys that it tells you the foods and the symptoms. So basically what you do is you eat high histamine foods for anywhere up to a week. You could do it for a day or two. If you're starting to feel really symptomatic, obviously you don't need to push it to a week. Um, but you're looking for your current symptoms to increase or new symptoms to come up. And then you you take out those high histamine foods for a week. And if you notice a difference, you have histamine intolerance. I mean, that it's literally that simple. There are some tests, one test from Dunwoody Labs that I will use if, if someone like this is dying for a test. But and it you know, looks at histamine levels, it looks at DAO levels, it looks at the, the gut barrier, which is really important. But that's, it's not always accurate. Like your histamine is not always going to be high in the blood. And it's not, the DAO is not always going to be low in the blood. So it's not that easy to get an accurate reading on it. 
So it's just much easier to just test it because it's not going to be something else. If you eat high histamine foods and it, it triggers you, it's not that you have something else going on. You have a histamine intolerance. So I just have everyone do that. And honestly, when I work with someone, I can talk to them for five minutes and I can tell them if they have a histamine issue because I see it, I know, and I've lived it. Um, so that's the way that I recommend testing it. And then, yes, you can definitely, um, you know, like I said, depending on where it's coming from, let's say it's all gut related and you get your gut really healthy, you can get completely back to normal. And for some people, you can get it, you know, really good, but then you have to just watch out like under times of high stress, because stress makes you release a lot of histamine you may want to, you know, cut back on the high histamine foods. And then when you're on vacation, you may want to eat that guacamole because you're happy and you're not stressed. So you kind of learn how to manage it. It's always something you're kind of managing a little bit, but it, it becomes such a small thing in your life because you're so much better that it doesn't even feel like you really have like a, you know, quote unquote condition. So if somebody were to, so what's the process? So somebody like you remove all histamine, high histamine foods for a set period of time, and then you reintroduce certain ones back to see which ones you tolerate. Okay. Yeah. You've got to get your body ready for it though. So I like to talk about the histamine bucket. I've talked about this on many interviews. There's infographics. I've written articles on it. It's in my book. I mean, you guys can find it somewhere from me. Um, but I think of a bucket, fill it with nutrient deficiencies, stress, um, gut infections, you know, uh, liver, you know, you're having your liver not really processing uh, chemicals and toxins and hormones properly, you know, all of that stuff that can be these underlying causes. And you, you figure out what those are and you start working on those, you're basically emptying your bucket. So you can fill that bucket with high histamine foods. If that bucket is already full with all those other things, you eat a high histamine food and you're going to react. So I really like to kind of put it into perspective like that. And that's how I work with people in my practice. And that's how I explain, you know, I even in the book break it down. Like if you're doing this alone, do this. If you're working with a practitioner, do this. Because I, I was trying to make it doable for everybody. Um but, you know, like I it's really basically starting with the, removing the high histamine foods, supporting your liver. I give you multiple options on how to do that, looking for any underlying causes like gut issues, nutrient deficiencies, whatever you can, if you can work with someone. Um, and then your body, you know, has time to kind of heal and, and get more prepared to tolerate these things. Working on stress is a really, really big component of this. And, and then, yeah, and then you start to try to reintroduce those foods again. And then you, like I said, you kind of figure out what foods you're okay with, what foods you can have sometimes and what foods you can have freely. I mean, once they introduce a certain food, they would know pretty quickly if it is usually, something they can't tolerate. Okay. Yeah, because usually it's, it's a pretty noticeable thing. Um, it can take, you know, a little time in some people, but this is why I always have people keep their food journals. And I, I, give, I have a download for the actual journal that I use, but I, I have them actually not only just write down what they're eating, but write their symptoms down during the day. And you can look at that. And if you look at that over a few weeks, you can see there are certain things that are triggering someone every time they eat it. And um, it might, have, might be immediately, it might be hours later, but it's going to be usually within that day. And I'll say, okay, I want you to take this out. And then they'll take it out. And they're like, oh, I feel so much better. So... 
And that's why I have a yes, no, maybe list because the no's are the hard no's, but the maybes are things that I want you to try because I don't want you to feel limited. And some people do completely fine on them and some people don't. So it's, it's kind of like I've researched for so long to figure out what foods really trigger people the most. And that's how I came up with this list. Yeah. Well, you got all the knowledge. I'm feeling, okay, so I'm feeling that there's this common theme here when we're trying to figure out root causes, which is one, support the liver, which I guess I wouldn't have ever, I mean, I get supporting the liver, but I'm really seeing this now as like a really common theme with all autoimmune conditions and histamine intolerance and all the things. Um, With histamine intolerance, okay, so it's support the liver, but then also support the gut, you know, get out if there's SIBO or some sort of, you know, co-infection or infections, deal with those. But when we're specifically talking about the liver, how does the liver play into histamine? Is it just because it's, is it not directly related to histamine or is it? Well, having too much histamine can actually lead to liver enzyme changes. So it can actually harm your, your liver directly. Um, Okay. So, and then having liver dysfunction can lead to histamine intolerance. It's like a, you know, bi-directional vicious cycle. The liver has so many jobs. It's like, it's like the most important organ, you know, one of the most important organs in the body. So people, I think now that's why everyone's saying liver, 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 because we're realizing how many jobs it has. And if you're trying to get people better and your liver is not functioning at its best, you can't do that. And one thing, too, just what I want to throw in there, many people with histamine intolerance are chemically sensitive. And um, I was to a point where I could not even go into a store because I was so chemically sensitive. Like, I went into Target. I was, like, in five minutes, I I was, like, it, it just, my whole body was shutting down. And, you know, there's, there's smells and there's so many chemicals in there. Once I started supporting my liver, I have never had a problem since. And it's, it's, that is life-changing because I was literally unable to go to a store. It was bad. And, you know, some people, they can't go to other people's houses. They can't. I mean, I've seen people who, like, move from house to house because of their, their sensitivities. And supporting the liver can be really, really vital in getting them back to, to like, a normal life. Yeah, I was going to make a joke about how life-changing it was to be able to go back to Target. Mm-hmm. But it, but it is. It was. But it is. But but <laughs> but really I it, you you like you just reminded me like this is this is like tr- actually truly life-changing without yeah, the the no, for real. the quick-witted jokes because it I have people in my life who like you light a candle and they can't handle it. Or I, I, oh, I have worked oh. with people, right, where it's just like you put on a lotion or they light a candle and they immediately they get a headache and they get over like they can't handle it. And so I can't I, now thinking that on a bigger scale, that's that is really limiting. It's like you go to a baby shower or a wedding shower, you go to tar, you go anywhere. The, that stuff yeah. is everywhere. And if you're chemically sensitive, that really limits you and your health, you know. And you end up staying in, in your own house because it's the only safe place. And it's really sad. I mean, it gets really bad. I know of a lady who had to move out into the desert and live in a tent. Like, she couldn't handle anything. And it's it's crazy. I mean, it can get really dramatic. Yeah. 
Um, Okay, another big issue is allergies. So seasonal allergies, I heard you mention this before with the how, so I actually had somebody say, is what are the possible side effects of being on allergy meds long term? You know, is that connected to histamine tolerance? And you said yes. Um, are seasonal allergies at all related to histamine intolerance? And is it at all connected to like chronic sinus inflammation and infections? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's seasonal allergies, you're producing histamine. So the problem is, is that if you have a, then the histamine intolerance, that's how they relate. So you're going to be worse um, or it's going to be not just seasonal. It's going to be lasting longer. And then, you know, a lot of people who it starts off as seasonal allergies and then they start taking the medications for it. And then that's when they start breaking down that CAO enzyme and then it becomes histamine intolerance. Hmm. So so is our seasonal allergies able to be cured or curable? Is it, is it something you can heal long term? Yeah, I think so, as long as you're doing the same things you're doing for histamine intolerance. You know, there's going to be some things that people have true allergies to. Uh, Let's say grass, you know, um, that's an IgE allergic response. Someone might have that they're always going to be sensitive to that. But one of the things that I do with people with histamine intolerance is I, I get their body to calm down. So their mast cells calm down. Their mast cells don't don't release histamine and degranulate the way that they used to. So they can be around things that at one time was a problem for them, and everything is so much better and so much you know under so much better control that they don't respond in the same way. So it's might they might not be able to roll around in the grass, but they <laughs> go outside. You know, um, you know it, it definitely can be a lot better for sure. Cool. Okay. Migraines. How does one know if they're migraines? I know this is a huge issue. Like so many people deal with this. Um, How might one know if their migraines are caused by histamine intolerance? Because obviously migraines have many root causes and sometimes they just like for people, they appear out of nowhere. And I like, I feel like everybody I talk to about migraines is like, look, I've tried everything. I can't, I can't associate a trigger. How do I like, so how does somebody know if it's a histamine thing? So there's a couple re- ways. One is if you get it after eating and you may have never put that together, you know, you mm-hmm. like I would eat avocados or chocolate and I would get a migraine immediately and I didn't know why. Um, so that now the hearing this, start paying attention to when are you getting your migraine? Look at the list of high histamine foods and say, oh my gosh, now I realize every time I eat peanuts or whatever it is, you know, I'm getting a migraine. So it must be histamine related because that's a high histamine food. That's one. Number two is a lot of people get migraines right before ovulation and right before they get their period. And that's when estrogen is highest. And estrogen drives your body to release more histamine. So those menstrual migraine sufferers, a lot of times it is histamine related. And it's like I said, it's because of the what the, the high estrogen is actually driving more histamine into the body, and that's triggering migraine. Why? So that was the next question: was you know what's the tie between estrogen and and histamine? That's so interesting. Why does mm-hmm. his? Why? Why? Okay, so I'm a questioner, so, Doctor Becky. I'm always <laughs> like, but why? So like, why? Why would estrogen going up drive more histamine? Like, what's 
It's just a trigger for histamine to be released. And it's there, they affect each other. Like there's just certain things in the body that do that with each other. Histamine and and estrogen are one of them. So high estrogen increases the histamine in your reproductive organs. And then more histamine results in more estrogen, basically. So they just, they do it to each other. So are some of the symptoms of estrogen dominance sometimes like actually histamine intolerance? Yeah, they're, they're, they can be similar, but they can overlap with not, I do feel like many things overlap. Um, I do feel like histamine does have its own little set of symptoms that don't overlap as much as other things. Like let, let's, let me make an example, uh, adrenal, you know, issues. So let's say high cortisol, estrogen dominance and hypothyroidism. You could put those three together and you could say they all have the same symptoms. You know what I mean? So that, that is a big overlap there with, with histamine intolerance, like runny nose, that's not really a cortisol issue. That's definitely not an, you know, an estrogen dominant without histamine, without the histamine component issue. Um, uh, and that's not like a thyroid issue, right? So they, there is a set of symptoms that are, are definitely more histamine related. So, but it's when you have them together. So it's that if you have the inability to break down the histamine efficiently, that's when estrogen dominance triggers histamine issues. That's when high cortisol triggers histamine issues. And that's when the thyroid, you know, a lot of my patients have both and I do. Thyroid and uh, histamine intolerance, they can go hand in hand because hypothyroidism increases the, the production of your mast cells. Your mast cells are what produces your histamine. So if you are increasing your mast cells and increasing your histamine, and then you have, let's say, that DAO enzyme SNP in your genetics, you're going to have histamine intolerance. All right, let's troubleshoot. Let's final this or bring this to a close by troubleshooting some complicated scenarios. Um, I got a a couple questions from people who have, I believe, have read your book and have some follow-up questions. So the first one is from Kristen. My naturopath um, expected that once my gut was healed, my histamine intolerance would go away entirely. Fast forward five years and a lot of work, and although I can eat avocados, some chocolate, ripe bananas, I am still crippled by a few leaves of spinach, anything with cocoa powder or a dish made with balsamic vinegar, is this at all resolvable? So it's if they only worked on the gut and you are have other issues that are causing this, that that's what I would be my first thought. Like maybe you need to work on supporting your liver. Maybe you maybe you have mast cell activation syndrome. So people with mast cell activation syndrome are just it's just not as easy. You know what I mean? Like I can eat avocados sometimes and then sometimes they'll give me a headache instantly. So you're just always with mast cell. It's a whole nother ball game. You're, you're always going to be sensitive and you don't know when things are going to strike and you don't know what's going to do it, but the healthier you are, the less reactive you will be when that happens. So it's, do you have mast cell activation syndrome? Do you have, uh, you know, the, the genetic SNP in your DAO enzyme? 
you know, things that make it harder for you to get rid of histamine intolerance. So that would be what I would look at, you know, looking at the nutrient deficiencies, looking to see if you're supporting your mast cells with uh, something like, uh, you know, quercetin, you know, things that can make you able to do more, even taking a DAO enzyme supplement when you want to eat those foods can be helpful. I love that bucket analogy because I feel like people can make educated and evidence-based decisions, sort of, if they know that they have a SNP and they know they have MAC and let's say they have a terrible night of sleep or they're going through a really stressful time, you know, they yeah. can make a decision and say, okay, I'm not going to eat avocados this week or whatever. You know what I mean? Yes. Like they can, they can kind of calculate, okay, like what's in my bucket right now and am I going to, is it about to overflow? Yeah. It's like if I'm going on a trip for work and I'm going to go do three interviews, live interviews, and I'm traveling from Florida to California, you better believe I'm going to do a low histamine diet that week because it's a lot, right? Yeah. You know, it's a lot of stress to be put under for me in, in many ways, you know, tra traveling and all of it. If I'm going to go on a trip and I'm going to go on a vacation where I'm like running around on the beach and having a blast, I'm going to eat whatever I want, you know, within reason. For me, I never eat certain things gluten, but within mm -hmm. the things that I allow myself to just have, you know, when I feel like it, that's what I'm going to do. So it, it's the stress component is huge. The sleep, like you said, is huge. Let's say I got three hours of sleep one night for whatever one of my kids was up sick. I'm probably not going to start my day off with an avocado, strawberry, banana smoothie, you know, because that's all I sweet <laughs> food. Um, so you have to tailor it to what's going on. Exactly. You have to see where your bucket is. And it's going to be different from day to day sometimes. Got it. Um, this is from, I think I believe it's Janelle. Sorry. I'm so sorry if I'm... I, I thought it was Janelle, but now I'm looking at it, it says Janelle. I should have um, asked you, but there you go. A blood test showed extremely high levels of histamine, she says 19, and low a low FODMAP diet was recommended, but it didn't help narrow down the trigger and seemed to exacerbate some of the symptoms. My doc is pretty sure it's the primary cause of my constant insomnia. I have no idea, I have no desire to obsess over food, but would like to legit like legit ways to figure this out. The internet is a wild place on this subject. So is there any sort of, why would somebody prescribe a low FODMAP diet and would that actually help any sort of, you know, histamine intolerance? I have no idea why someone would do that. To be honest with you, I, I don't give anyone a low FODMAP diet um, because even when I, that's supposed to be related to SIBO, and when I, even when I'm treating SIBO, I, if you eat a low FODMAP diet while taking antimicrobials, you can't get to the SIBO because it's hiding, um, because it, it makes the bacteria go down. So no, it's not a, a treatment for uh, histamine intolerance unless they were trying to indirectly do it through SIBO. But again, it, the, the really the best way to do treat SIBO is to take the antimicrobials and eat like a, a lower carb diet, but not necessarily low FODMAP diet. So I'm not sure on why they did that. Um, I had this is not the first time I've heard that though, but it is also the the other times I've heard it, it was not successful then either. So um, and then as far as histamine in the blood, there's a marker called whole blood histamine. And that's actually better used as a methylation uh, marker than it is as actually looking at histamine in the body. 
you know, it, it can let you know if you're methylating well or not, which is a really important process in the body that a lot of people with histamine intolerance don't tend to do well. One of the main roles of methylation is to help your body detox. Uh, so a lot of people with histamine intolerance aren't very good at detoxing, which is why they tend to get bad hangovers. And um, like I said, they're chemically sensitive because they, they get when the toxin gets in, they can't get it out. So uh, that's my response to that question. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you could clarify. All right, we'll do one more. Um, could waking up tired after a full night's sleep be related to histamine intolerance? It's usually associated with a feeling of floating and brain fog. It almost feels mm -hmm. like I want to faint, but I never do. This feeling gives me severe anxiety to the point where it's hard to drive or want to do anything besides be home and safe. It's always worse in the morning and during after workouts. <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. <laughs> everything you just talked about and clears as the days go on. It's very sporadic. She says, I have no known environmental allergies and I've been tested. What could be the root cause of this type of histamine response, if so? Yeah, um, I think for sure, yes. And the floating feeling is definitely histamine-related. I had it myself and it was so weird and freaked me out. And so many people have told me ever since hearing me talk about it that they've had it too. And it's it's scary. That I mean, one of the, the problems with histamine intolerance is you get the weirdest symptoms that it gives you anxiety and you get panic attacks because you're like, why do I feel so weird? And you start to get panic attacks even if you're not a nervous person originally. Um, so yeah, and then as far as the uh, exercising component, you know, uh, I talk about this a lot because histamine is produced when you're exercising more and when you're hot. And I do not think you should stop exercising. I just think it's a good indicator of you're doing the wrong type of intensity of exercise um, because you should always, you know, exercise is so beneficial that it shouldn't be stopped, in my opinion, almost ever. It's just that it's, it's what type of exercise are you doing at what point in your life. So when you're really struggling and you're having a lot of issues breaking down histamine, you're not going to want to do anything high intensity. All right. You mentioned, you said you had some downloadable guide and mm -hmm. you also have your website and you have like, you've been talking a lot about liver support. And I know that we have your liver love in our house and my husband's taking <laughs> that for his Hashimoto's. Can you talk to me about, okay, so say somebody, obviously we're going to talk about um, how people can work with you and you know, you can set up how you can set up an appointment, but also like if somebody wants um to maybe get some of your supplements if they somebody has histamine intolerance right now. Yeah. What are some of the things that you recommend them doing if they're not working with a practitioner as well? Yeah, so um, definitely, you know, is in, if you don't know if you have histamine intolerance, take the test and the guide. Um, so start supporting your liver. You know, I give multiple ways to do that in the book, and it's because I don't want um, – you know, I'm not trying to sell anyone anything that they can't afford. Or So I try to give people ways to do things at home, you know. Um, for me personally, it's easier just to take the liver love supplement because I don't want to sit with a, uh, you know, castor oil pack over my liver for 45 minutes every day. But it is an option. I mean, and that's fine too. So there's, you know, definitely start supporting your liver. Definitely take those high histamine foods out. Definitely work on stress management and, um, and then, you know, give your body some time to heal, 
you know, try taking, you know, a few supplements if you can, like if, if you were to pick two supplements that you could do, if you're doing this on your own, you're not working with someone, it would definitely be my liver love because it's the best supplement that I have. I love it. Everyone loves it. I take it every day and it's changed my life. Um, and you know, a lot of it helps a lot of people. So that one, and then the histo relief, because it has a lot of mast cell stabilizing, uh, stuff in it that is not going to reduce your DAO enzyme. So that's on my website. You just go to drbeckycampbell.com and then go to the shop and you'll see stuff in there for that. And there's tons of articles I've written on histamine intolerance. If, even if you can't afford to buy the book, just go on my website and start reading and you'll learn a lot more about it. So you have a histamine specific supplement too. Yes. The histo relief. Yeah. Cool. That's what I, yes, it's awesome. Um, and people do really well on that. You have to calm down the mast cells. And so it's one of the ways you can do that. It's, it helps your body to stop releasing so much histamine and getting into those receptors. So it's basically like taking an, an antihistamine, but it's a natural version of it. And that doesn't have a side effect to it. Ooh, I love it. Okay. So we'll so we'll link to drbeckycampbell.com. Of course, you can work with her one-on-one. Um, she also has liver love and also link to the histamine supplement. It's all for sale on her site. I have purchased many supplements from her site, so I will link to all of it. And then um, your book. <laughs> you, you wrote a book. Okay, so the 14-day yeah. histamine reset plan. Is that right? The four-phase. Four-phase four histamine <laughs> reset plan. Wouldn't it be nice if it was 14 days? Okay. Four-phase. Yes, histamine <laughs> reset plan we'll link to that in the show notes um i'll just link to the the link that's on amazon and i have the book and it's great and you have guides in there and stuff like that so um thank you dr becky for being on when you write another book or whenever you want to come on and chat about anything I would love to have you back because it's just, this is like pure, this is pure joy and pure fun for me because I just get to like pick your brain. So um, <laughs> you can even charge me. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I would love to have you on again. And um, thank you so much for answering everybody's questions. And yes, everybody go get her book and um, all the things from her. Well, thanks for having me and thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Thank you. All right. For more from Dr. Becky, it's drbeckycampbell.com. For more from me, you can go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. You can buy my book, Coconuts and Kettlebells, lots of good recipes, lots of easy recipes, lots of kid-friendly recipes by going to coconutsandkettlebells.com slash book. Also, join our Facebook group. We've been chatting it up a lot in there, especially as all of us are still sitting at home, safe at home, hashtag safe at home. Um, it's Well-Fed Women Holistic Health Community. You can search it in Facebook. I'll also link to it in the show notes. Thank you, guys. Love you, mean it. We'll talk to you next week.